You are listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast, the show for first-time leaders. For that moment in your career, hi and welcome to the latest you. episode of the this Swim Not Sink Leadership the world Podcast. Of how to I'm lead your host James Nagel, and my guest now, today to is Stefan Jacques. We're going to talk about how to avoid being overwhelmed in your first-time leadership role. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Stefan. Originally from Belgium, he can now be considered a global citizen, having worked across the world with Unilever, Danone, Reckitt, and latterly Sanofi Consumer Healthcare. He has just been appointed as Senior Vice President for LATAM, the only continent he hasn't worked in yet. Stefan likes challenges and fixing things and is full of energy, as no doubt you'll pick up from our conversation today. So it's my pleasure to introduce Stefan. Hey, good morning, James. Nice talking to you. Yeah. Now, when we were having the uh, introductory chat, we realized that we have quite a lot in common and there's some parallels in our career. We both started in Belgium back in 93, 94. I was with Proctor and you were with the uh, the old enemy, uh, Lever. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and then we went our own way. We went separate ways for 15 years and we both became GMs in the same company. But it was a tough time to become a first-time GM. It was post a financial crash and tough times. What, what do you remember of, of, of those years? Well, I remember being uh, uh, landing into a new job, into a new company uh, in a country I uh, barely knew uh, from a previous experience. And uh, I remember being literally overwhelmed uh, from uh, day one, uh, overwhelmed by the situation, the uh, number of stakeholders, uh, the newness of the challenge in a way. Why do the podcast? You're a busy guy. What, what, what gives you the motivation? Well, the motivation is the transmission, uh, James. Um, you know, I lost my dad when I was 19 years old. He died in a car accident and uh, he never had the time before to transmit to me anything. So I had to discover a lot of things in the world by myself. And today what I'm trying to do is to literally uh, pass the baton, uh, transmit the, the knowledge and the experience uh, in a very genuine and authentic way. Uh, I have nothing to to win about it. It's all about other people, but trying to uh, to help them uh, as they grow and develop and grow through uh, the stage where I've already been myself. I, I, I love that idea. And it is frustra frustrating for everybody if somebody tells you afterwards, oh, we should have done that, or we should have tried that, or I wish I told you that, or I wish I'd given you that support. So the idea of transmitting while, while Vivo is, is great. And transmission, it goes, it plays two ways. What about you and your own kids? Well, I'm, I'm trying to do the same, right? This is uh, um, the, the, the death of my father was obviously a, a key event in my life. Uh, and uh, I live with that uh, for the last uh, 30 years now. And uh, I'm trying to do the same with my kids. I'm trying to transmit to them uh, because that's the only thing that will be staying the day, uh, the day I die myself, which is also why I embarked into this journey of traveling across the globe, so to speak. Um, you know, we, we lived in so many countries, but uh, look at it this way. My son is 20 years old today, and he lived in eight different places. He has a fantastic experience. Uh, he's, uh, he's completely uh, used to dealing with people from uh, different nationality, different culture, different uh, different parts of the world. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a fantastic legacy. That's probably much better than any present or anything I could buy to him, uh, which would end up being irrelevant uh, when you compare that uh, versus the experience he's had over the last 20 years. 
Yeah, no, I've chosen to do a different route than you. Okay, having been an international guy like you, I've chosen to settle settle my kids. So maybe in twenty years we'll do a, a version a version two of the podcast to see. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, which the, of our kids thank us? Yeah. Well, James, the 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 thing is that uh, if you look at uh, at my children, I think some of them will probably want to settle as well. Because they, 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 they move so much over the last 20 years that eventually later in their life they will want to settle. But at least they have this heritage. They have this in their baggage in a way. They, they, they've experienced the world before COVID, by the way. Uh, so they, uh, they've seen it. And I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's major. Just holding on to the idea of transmission, at what point in your professional career did that become something that you were investing time and effort in? Well, too late. <laughs> Too late, too late in my career. So uh, uh, I, I never took a proper time because I was too uh, self-centered. Uh, the fact is that with with age and experience and maturity, you start to realize that uh, the, the 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 value you can bring is just huge. Uh, and uh, um, over the last couple of years, I could uh, see that uh, there was a lot of reception, so to speak, a lot of value in the people receiving this message. Um, and I could see that I was, uh, for me, a way to, to impact them for the better. So I had actually requests from people coming to me and asking for, uh, for advice, for coaching, for mentoring, you name it. Uh, and I've uh, volunteered with plenty of work colleagues because uh, I can see that there's a value because they ask for it. In your experience, are, are companies willing to invest in, in support and is coaching uh, normalized? Well, I would say not enough, uh, James, not enough. Um, you know, it's the way most of the companies are looking at it is uh, as a cost, right? Uh, a cost with an external vendor and that needs to go through procurement. The reality is that the way I look at it is a return on investment. It's a true investment into developing people. And when these people stick with you in that company for long enough, you see the return. Uh, it's obvious because they create the right environment. They get the results. They're impacting uh, their people. So it's an investment which is worth uh, uh, a lot. Uh, but if you look at it as a cost, uh, obviously, you'll uh, you'll never get there, right? So you have to change the way people look at it. Uh, and you have to, uh, to look at uh, it from a return on investment perspective. And what about the old chestnut? Look, we've just recruited the best person externally or internally. Uh, why do they need support? Well, they need support because independently if they're the best or not the best, the reality is that it's a total change of role. Uh, it's a real transition. It's a real step up. Uh, and, uh, you know, most of these people will feel overwhelmed. Uh, they need support. Uh, when you change to a completely uh, different role, which is much bigger, much senior, much more visible, uh, you need support. Uh, that's been my experience. And, uh, you know, they can be very good, but the reality is that getting someone that accompanies them and help them go through uh, this turbulent environment that we are all in uh, is always welcome. And by doing such, you increase the chance of these people being successful, very simply. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to test your own readiness for the hot seat, then take the Leadership Readiness Scorecard. Details in the show notes and on swimnotsink.com. So I'd love to hear, going back to Czechia 2009, uh, some of your own sink or swim moments. Well, my, my moment was, uh, you know, I landed into a new company on uh, July 1st. 
uh, new company with new categories because uh, I grew up in the food business at uh, Unilever and Danone and I landed at Racket Benkiza uh, into a non-food environment. Um, on top of that, uh, after three months, we acquired SSL, which I was asked to uh, integrate within our company. And uh, my first uh, moment, I would say, was when the day before Christmas, uh, one of our key customers uh, in Czech, Slovak, Kofland, uh, called us to basically delist uh, the whole uh, portfolio. Uh, and that's something I can remember very clearly because I can tell you, you feel the heat at that time. And and how did you deal with that, the, the Christmas call? Well, you deal with that with you step back, you call you, uh, your head of sales uh, and uh, you try to, uh, to make the right decision for the business. Uh, obviously, at that time, um, I basically uh, contacted the, the, the most senior contact on, on their side and I asked for a meeting uh, and I had a face-to-face -face, um, a week later, so to speak, to try to address the situation with a facts-based approach and, uh, and a lot of maturity in the way we were tackling the situation. What I regretted at that time was the fact that I hadn't built uh, a relationship with that stakeholder before that crisis hit me. Looking back at it with the sort of wisdom you've got over the last decade or so, is there anything you would have done differently? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I would have uh, I would have built a relationship with all the stakeholders. I would have started by mapping the stakeholders and understand you know how to build a relationship with all of them which is something that I'm now advising uh, more junior people to do because it's obvious that when you go into a new role, uh, you have to deal with internal and external stakeholders. Uh, and uh, you probably have this very short period uh, that everyone calls honeymoon, which actually is not really a honeymoon, uh, like we all understand it. But uh, during that uh, so-called period, uh, the first three months, uh, that's when uh, you have to uh, identify who are these stakeholders that are going to have or are going to play a role in your business uh, going forward. And you have to build a relationship one after the other very seriously because at some point in time in the future, it will it will help you, it will support you. So you were a, an external hire. You came in, as you said, with new categories and there was an M&A to integrate. W what support, if any, did you receive? Well, very little, none, I would say. Uh, you know, uh, at that time, I felt uh, I felt completely alone uh, in uh, the country. The people that were supporting me was actually my team and my direct reports, uh, and they were very willing and, and committed to to help me. And we worked very well together. Uh, but I didn't get support from uh, from the outside environment. When you when you reflect back on that, could you have done any better, or was it just a case of wrong place, wrong time? Well, it was clearly a, a case of wrong place, wrong time, uh, for plenty of reasons. But obviously, I don't want to blame the, the environment either. I think I was to blame as well, because I think I didn't realize in which kind of role I was stepping in. Um, the GM role was uh, different than the, the head of marketing role that I had before, uh, which eventually I had not uh, fully realized uh, at that moment in time. So it was, uh, it was a totally different job. Because uh, in that role, uh, everyone was looking at me to make uh, decisions quick on every single topic, some of them being in, 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 uh, in, in areas uh, of the business which I knew less, uh, being supply chain, being, uh, being uh, medical or regulatory. Uh, so clearly, uh, it was a different role, and I underestimated that different role, and therefore I came unprepared for that challenge. I appreciate you sharing that experience because it's, in fact, pretty much why I'm motivated to 
to work on what I'm doing. Exactly that story. You you came in maybe a bit naive. You didn't understand what you didn't know, and the reality of life is you didn't you know you didn't get the support. But let's let's turn to a positive side. Um, you're now a leader, and you've had that experience. So if you think of you know you'd mentioned you've been mentoring people uh, that are currently in the transition. In a broader sense, what do people find challenging? What, what is challenging initially already is the, the lack of self-awareness that most people have, right? People jump into a new role without understanding what exactly is the new role and without understanding to which extent they are qualified for that new role. Now, obviously, the company and the managers have a responsibility as well. Uh, but I think the first, uh, the first thing is the, uh, the lack of self-awareness from the candidates and therefore the lack of preparation. Uh, once you go over that uh, that uh, that first challenge, I would say, uh, what is challenging is the fact that you have to deal with a very complex situation. Uh, the expectations, generally speaking, are very high, uh, and everyone looks at you as if you are the one who's going to provide all the solutions to all the problems at the same time. So you feel the pressure on your shoulders, and the situation is sometimes very overwhelming. Yeah, I'd like to go back on the on the self awareness point. How if you if you're either selecting a candidate or you've got somebody who's in position, how do you judge or assess their own self awareness? Well, when, when when you work with them, you have opportunities to understand to which extent these people are generally truly self aware or not. When you work with people and uh, and you have regular conversation, I think pretty fast you can understand to which extent. Some people are literally dreaming uh, and, and building, a, building a fantasy world for themselves, uh, not realizing that they might not be qualified for the role. I think one of the most uh, important things that I've learned over the last decade is the, necessar- the, the, the need to have fit-for-purpose uh, people in the roles, and every role is different. So you need to assess the candidate, and you need to assess what the role needs, and you need to make sure that uh, there's a complete fit between both. And it's not because someone wants to be GM uh, or even that he is ready to be GM that he will fit into a specific role because every single role is different. Um, the context of the role is uh, is uh, changing as well. And therefore, uh, one needs to uh, conduct a proper analysis uh, to understand to which extent the candidate is the right one for the job that needs to be done. The ideal way we can both agree, which is there's a good fit between the context and the, and the candidate. But when that doesn't occur and that, that happens frequently, what sort of support do you do you look to provide? Well, what I look to provide is uh, is a professional coach uh, when it's possible. And at Sanofi Consumer, we have this in place uh, in order to uh, allow people to be uh, to be successful. Uh, what also I try to, uh, to to create in terms of environment is an environment where we have uh, senior professionals that can mentor these uh, these people that transition into these roles. I'm mentoring myself uh, a few people. Uh, of which two of them are first-time GMs as well. And uh, and I believe this is critical for them to be successful. Now, these people are not in my reporting. They are not in my uh, scope of responsibility. But uh, but I think it's my role uh, and my responsibility to, to do it for the for the good of the of the of the business and the company. So hopefully we can have you know senior peoples that understand that they have a responsibility towards the, the more uh, younger generations. Uh, to develop them, uh, because at the end of the day, uh, it's good for everyone. It's good for for the young talents. It's good for the organization, and 
from my perspective, when I do that, it's extremely very rewarding at the same time. Having done so many moves and having mentored people and having really thought about this whole area, you're now at the exciting uh, honeymoon period, even if it's <laughs> even if honeymoon is not maybe the word you'd use. How are you approaching the move to LATAM, given that you're based in Dubai, there's a time difference, you're not physically there? Well, I'm, I'm trying to, to create first uh, the space for me to observe, listen, build relationship, understand uh, the people and the context. Um, in other words, of course, there is pressure. Uh, and of course, every month, uh, the numbers need to be delivered. But uh, I'm trying to carve the space so that uh, I'm not too much uh, polluted by this, so to speak. And I can go uh, into this with a very uh, clear mind, uh, being very objective as to what I'm going to see, listening uh, quite tremendously, and uh, staying uh, above the line in terms of behavior so that I'm really at my best. Uh, and by doing such, I think that uh, that increased my uh, my uh, ability to, to, run, to, 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 to enter this business, to get to know the people, uh, and uh, hopefully will um, allow me to really be clear on what I'm dealing with uh, in a matter of a few weeks. Above the line. Do you want to just explain what that is? Uh, because it might not be something that's familiar to everybody. Well, for me, it's a very um, interesting uh, concept, right? It's about having the right attitude. It's about being positive. It's about being constructive. Uh, it's about trying to be at your best constantly and, uh, and avoid falling into a place where you feel pressurized and cornered and therefore your behavior is, uh, is changing eventually. Uh, so uh, when I'm at my best, I'm reaching to people, I'm bridging to them, uh, I'm, uh, I'm contributing constructively uh, in every single conversation. Uh, obviously, that's critical for me uh, because that helps to build stronger relationship uh, and uh, that allows me to, uh, to have a bigger impact on the people. You mentioned what does success mean. Have you considered what your definition of success for, for the LATAM job is? Yes. Well, there's the, uh, obviously the, the business part of it, right? Which is uh, driving the business to the next level, both in terms of share and, and financials. But I think more importantly, uh, I'm at a place in my, uh, in my life and in my career where I can give uh, a lot to a lot of people and I can uh, help them benefit from the personal experience I've had over the last uh, 27, 28 years that I'm in business. And that's even more important, um, the ability to, to uh, influence and impact uh, people so that uh, they grow, they develop, they can bring their best uh, coming to work, so to speak, uh, is uh, even more important. And that drives me. That's extremely rewarding, actually, to see, to see these people um, you know, having an impact because you have an impact on them. So I take real pleasure at that. Uh, and that's for me also my personal definition of success. It's one thing that I try and encourage clients to do, which is think about what their legacy letter is. So even at this early stage in the transition to think about what do you want your promotion or your goodbye letter to say about you, right? Yeah. And I think you've, uh, I think you've captured that qu quite nicely. And as a person, how different are you going into LATAM than you were going into Czechia? You know, I'm way more comfortable in my own skin. Uh, you know, 11 years ago, I wanted to uh, to be GM, and that was the uh, the first uh, time uh, I had a, a proposal and an offer, and I wanted to take it. Uh, today, I've been uh, I've been in general management for 11 years, uh, and I look at all of this with a totally different perspective. This being said, 
um, you know, I go into into this uh, very attractive because that's a bigger role, that's a bigger responsibility, that's an opportunity to have an impact. That's also, uh, and I think you said it in the introduction today, right? That's also for me an opportunity to uh, to uh, discover another part of the world. Uh, I've worked in the US, I've worked in Europe, in Africa, in Asia, in Middle East, but not in Latin. So Latin is extremely attractive to me. Uh, it's a way to uh, to discover a new region, and that's refreshing. Uh, you know, it's extremely refreshing. No, it's great, and I like the idea of being comfortable in your own skin. I think that that brings a whole different energy to, let's say, every every business review and every every meeting you're going to have with your team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a point where you know I, I would not have reached that ten years ago or, or fifteen years ago, right? But uh, with experience, uh, with maturity, with self awareness, uh, you get to that point. And actually, what you start to realize that yes, you're better with yourself, but you're better with others. Um, and uh, that matters a lot. And that matters a lot uh, to me, but that matters a lot to to the other people as well. So I think you you end up creating a more positive environment uh, where people are happier, uh, where people uh, are more happy to contribute in a way, and therefore uh, deliver better results. And that's what I've seen in my current job in the Middle East, and that's probably why I've been asked to move to uh, to Latin as well. So I suppose the the golden question is. You know, you, you've you've got comfortable in your skin over time and via experience, both you know, sink moments and swim moments. If you're dealing with new new general managers or mentoring them, how can you or how do you seek to accelerate? That's a good question, James. Uh, part of it is the maturity uh, that you gain over time and through experience, and. You know, you no one can replace that, right? I mean, everyone needs to go through his or her own journey. Um, part of it is the ability of these people to listen to uh, to the experience of uh, of elders. Uh, I know I was not always listening uh, for the experience of uh, elders a uh, long time ago, and today I, uh, you know, yes, I listen. I respect that. I listen that, and uh, what I can see is that some of these young talents that transition to a new GM role. Some of them are more listening than others, and the ones who are listening um, clearly have more potential because they they integrate, they absorb, uh, they build on the comments that you give them, and uh, and somehow they develop uh, faster. Uh, so it's really depending on the experience of the people and the ability to listen of these people. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not saying I have all the answers either on that question I've just asked you, but it it does come back to, as you say, a bit of self-awareness, a bit of maturity, the openness to listen. And if I can add one more, just to see if this is true, yeah. it's also the sense of trying to enjoy the role. Yes, uh, true. You know, when you were talking about Czech, it was like this anxiety to progress. Yeah. You know, this desire, ambition. And I think with reflection, that can be quite limiting, right, in terms of your day-to-day -day performance. But you, you're absolutely right. I think it's uh, it's not a race. But the problem is that many people look at it as a race. And I looked at it as a race, you know, 25 years ago or 20 years ago. So uh, it's not a race. Everyone goes at its own pace. And actually, you learn more when you go at your own pace. You feel better in your own skin when you go at your own pace as well, right? So uh, it's not a race, but you only discover that at your own speed. And, uh, and it's very personal in a way, right? 
because at the end of the day, some people might never discover it. Some people will discover it very early in their career. Uh, it's really, really personal and depends from one person to the other. But uh, I can tell you today, I was wrong believing it was a race 25 years ago. I know now it's not a race. So ho hopefully some people listening will pick that as the nugget out of the conversation today. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> as we come to the end of the conversation, Stefan, a question I ask everyone, your advice for people on the cusp of the hot seat. Is there anything that you haven't mentioned so far that you'd like to, to add? Well, there's, there's one thing that, uh, that is uh, critical and was critical for me uh, to, to go through all of that without uh, uh, imploding, which is to somehow uh, take distance from the day-to-day, -day, uh, make sure that you balance the managing the present uh, dimension, which is critical in every single job, to another two uh, dimensions of leadership, which is creating the right environment for your people to be successful and creating the future uh, for your business and for your people. And when you balance these three dimensions, it helps you to put things uh, uh, in a bit in perspective, uh, to put all the crisis and all the managing the present uh, elements in perspective to uh, the other two dimensions. And I think achieving this balance, so to speak, is critical for you to uh, grow through without uh, without imploding in your head. No, really, really great advice. Um, look, Stefan, thanks for your time today and really all the best for the new adventure in the last remaining continent. <laughs> Thank you, James. I appreciate, uh, appreciate that. You've been listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast. Subscribe at swimnotsink.com forward slash podcast.